the Marine Corps Code of Conduct, and the King James Bible. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery! And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We're on a mission from God. Entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby Land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker here at Area 52. We're going on safari today. We're going to be hunting crypto creatures, cryptids. They're called the study of cryptozoology. Crypto um, is, it's not what Superman is afraid of. Um, However, um, let me just throw this in here. It doesn't have a whole lot to do, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But uh, the two men who are responsible for uh, the hero Superman, um, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. They were both uh, Jewish men and very, very familiar with uh, Jewish Kabbalism. Um, So the word crypto... To them, they knew what it meant. It meant secret. Uh, it meant um, uh, un- unsearchable, un- unknowable, hidden, hidden up. And so when, and they also, they also had studied. Apparently, had studied Frederick Nietzsche. No, I didn't sneeze. Uh, and Friedrich Nietzsche was a German idiot philosopher that he had he had it out for God. He was he was going to do away with God, kill God off and leave nothing but Ubermensch which means Superman, Frederick Nietzsche, Gesundheit, came up with this idea of man becoming Ubermensch, the Superman. In other words, a god. So when Siegel and Schuster decided, they were friends from high school, they, they did things together. One was a good writer, the other one was a good artist. And they put their talents together, and they came up with this thing called Superman, and um, went nuts. 
all over the country. People are buying Superman comic books. It goes into the newspapers, Superman comic strip, and um, then the rest is history. Uh, but anyway, they, they were very well familiar with this idea of something being um, cryptid, uh, and the word crypto meaning secret. So the planet that Ubermensch comes from, Superman, is the planet, shh, secret. It's a secret. And, and basically what you have is a messiah. You have a Jewish messiah. He's a Jewish creation. And he falls down from heaven. He comes from a secret place up in the heavens. He falls down to the earth. Uh, he grows up. You know, both, both Superman movies, the, the Christopher Reeve one, uh, which is one of my, one of my favorites, um, and then The Man of Steel, both of them. I mean, they've got, um, you know, Clark Kent basically beginning his, his ministry at 30 years old. And he's in touch with his father. And his father just, you know, Jor-El just happens to look like the image of God that people have painted. You know, you know the, whatever, the, the white hair and everything like that. And he sends his son to the earth to be a savior, to be a God among us. And then in The Man of Steel, um, he has been arrested by the military, Superman has, and he's talking to all of the scientists and military experts, you know, they've got him in quarantine. And he said, you know, why have you got me in quarantine? He said, I've been on this planet 33 years. And I, yep, there he is. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. If that's the only thing you get out of today's broadcast, then you've got something, all right? You've got, you've got another Jesus, uh, a, a Jewish-made Messiah that comes here, he's American mythology, and he's going to solve all of our problems. Boy, and wouldn't that be great? All right, anyway, um, I came across um, a couple of videos. They were sent to me by my son, and you see I've got my, uh, I've got my Bigfoot characters here, and they, they're learning to get along with each other. And, um, but anyway, I came across a couple of videos my son sent to me and they are of supposedly, they are of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, uh, the wild man of the forest is what he is called. And, and he's got names all over the world, the Yowies. Uh, down in Australia, and there's a reason why. And well, we're going to get to that. Uh, skunk ape down in Florida, because they stink awfully bad. Um, I met a guy. I met a guy that saw one, and I have absolutely no reason to discount his story. He told it to me. Uh, his wife told me uh, we were down at Bible camp one year, and his wife told me, "So you got to meet my husband. He's he's got a Bigfoot story, or knock your socks off." 
And I said, okay, well, he came the next night and he told me that he, uh, he, his, his buddy was a greenskeeper, head, head greenskeeper at a golf course uh, just outside of Fort, um, Fort Worth, Texas. Now I'm going, well, I've never heard of no Texas Bigfoot. I guess their Bigfoot's got to be bigger than everybody else's Bigfoot because everything's bigger in Texas. So anyway, he tells me that his buddy said, you know, we'll do some night fishing out there and uh, meet me at such and such, you know, like on that 12th hole. There's a great big pond there. The fish are just all over the place. Um, you know, the, the, the golf course doesn't mind me fishing it out, keeping them down and everything like that. He said, so come along. So this guy gets there. It's about 11 o'clock at night, something like that. And he's, gonna, he's walking through this golf course at night. And he walks through this little chunk of woods and, and this opening there, uh, like part of a fairway, and he sees his buddy ahead of him at this pond fishing away. But he also sees standing there in front of him with his back to him, this giant, hairy, hairy giant. And he's like, well, he said this Bigfoot was aware of him and he turns around and bends down and stares at him right in the eye. Now, the guy didn't tell me, you know, if he lost his bowels or lost his, lost the, you know, the control of his bladder or whatever. But I can imagine and all of a sudden, this thing just slowly turns and walks off. And he's just standing there holding fishing poles and lures and stuff. And he's like, I can't believe what I just saw. And he tells me this story. And he's a businessman. He's a professional man. Um, and I believe him. I believe it. He, it why, you have to ask the question. Same thing with UFOs. We're not, we're not out there trying to prove the existence of eight reindeer that fly through the air and pull a sleigh and stop at every rooftop in the world in one night and a Big, chunky man with a red coat, red fur coat, big beard, white beard, with a sack, jumps down their chimney. See, I had a problem with that one all the way back when I was a youngster, about four or five years old, because in our house, at that time, we lived in a like a duplex. There was no fireplace in our house. And my mom bought this cardboard, if you remember the 60s, she bought this cardboard fireplace and it had a light that stuck up and it had this little thing that when the light heated it up, it turned around like this to make it look like the cardboard logs on it were, you know, flaming up. And I can remember thinking all the way back when I'm four years old, I can remember thinking, 
how does Santa Claus come down that chimney? Because there is no chimney. And see, I'm four years old, and I already have a grasp of the laws of physics. I already, I already get some of it. That if there's no hole or doorway there, you can't just walk through it. So I had my doubts back then. And then I, I asked my sister, I said, how does Santa Claus, when he gets in our house, wrap the presents and put them under the tree without us hearing him do it? Because, you know, wrapping presents is a loud thing. And so I'm like Mr. Analytical. Professor Analytical is my name. And I am analyzing this whole, and I'm just like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. So we're not, we're not trying to sell Santa Claus. We're not, I'm not trying to sell you on the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. No one, no one that I know of dresses up like a fairy, and sneaks around from house to house trying to get into people's houses to leave money under some kid's pillow because there's a tooth under there. No one does this. Well, you know, a little meth and a little Jack Daniels combined together, they might. But that just doesn't happen. Okay? And there are, there are two types of people. Well, maybe more than that, but there is the person who believes that it's possible that a bipedal, um, what do they call them? Primate, a bipedal primate walking upright, being very large in size, it is possible that it could exist and be alive. But then you have other people who say, nope, it's not possible. There's no way. There's no how. Uh, science has not proven this to be so and so on. Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that science is completely silent on this because I'm going to show you that it's not, all right? But what I want to do now is I want to show you, um, oh, let's see here. You know, I had problems last week with uh, my camera and some other things, so I had to shut down, and I, could, I never could get them fixed. Uh, so let me hang on a second. Okay, screen capture. I got to adjust the cropping on my screen capture. Let me, um, I'll show you what I mean here. I've got to fix that. I got to fix that. Um, I've got to resize it. And then I've got to fix that. And we got to bring up the bottom here. And uh, let's see here. You got to be able to see me 
because I'm important here. And there we go. All right, let's try that. Um, this video, it's actually two different videos. I believe it's of the same creature. Um, one video um, shows a large, hairy uh, primate that is looking, he keeps sticking his head out around a bush to see if there's anything out there. Um, and there's something, I can tell you this, just the, the, the nature and character of these creatures seems to be that they have the ability to detect uh, trail cams because not too many are captured on trail cams. Some of them are, but there's been reports where people would set out a six, eight, a, a dozen trail cams in an area trying to pick up, you know, pictures of whatever. And all of a sudden, they'll go out, every one of them be gone. Every single one of them be gone. Now, you know, who knows what that is. But anyway, um, this first video, we'll go ahead and get it started. Um, in this, oh, let's see here. You need that. There you go. In, in this particular video, I'm going to adjust the cropping again, too. Let's see here. There we go. And there we go. And let me give you some more of the bottom. I guess that's good enough. All right. In this particular video, I want you to notice that there's red tape around this. This was a, a, a apparently a crime scene. It was a police scene. Somebody found skeletal remains of a human in this location. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows uh, what happened. But they set up uh, cameras to see if anybody or anything was roaming in the area. Maybe it was a bear. Or something like that, okay? Or maybe it was just a really angry squirrel. I mean, a just ticked off squirrel, okay? Um, so anyway, I'll play it, and then I'm going to zoom in on it. There's something moving right here, okay? And um, what you're going to see this thing do is... I'm going to I'm going to give you some top view too. Hang on a second. There we go. There we go. You're going to see this thing pick up trees. It's picking one up. Moved it out of the way. Now watch this. He's going to pick this tree up. 
that you see there in the front, from the end, from the end, pick it up and swing it down and slam it on the ground. Wham! Now, folks, that's impressive. That is just downright impressive. Um, let's see here. I want to give you more. There we go. Now you'll be able to see it a whole lot more better. All right. So let me show you this again. Just the tree part. He's going to pick this thing up from the end of it and swing it over the top of his head and really impress the daylights out of you. Wham! Look at that! Look at that! That's impressive. Now, just quickly, that is not the first time that I've seen a video of a Sasquatch-type creature basically picking up a tree, a live standing tree and pick it up from the trunk and pull it up out of the ground, tearing the root wad off and throwing it. I can't find that video, but I've seen it a couple dozen times. And I'm like, that's, I don't, that's, that's crazy. Um, I think I do a close-up of this. Let's see here. Yeah, I do. See the face? We call this the faces of Sasquatch. He has a, a, a bearded chin and mouth area clear area around the eyes and nostrils which is has been seen before by others but watch him he's going to move one of these out of his way and he's going to pick that tree up from the end You'll be able to see very, um, if you look closely, you'll be able to see where his hands are. They're right about here on the end of that tree. And then just pick, see it? He's got one hand here right at the very bottom of it and one hand here. Now, I dare you to do that. I, I, dare, I dare you to do it because that just, I couldn't. There's no way I could do this. And he's just, like I say, he's going to slam it down. Whoa. That's a monster. Now, um, got another one here. Same, seems like it's the same area. 
I'm not 100% sure. But take a look at this. Here's, here's a, I just did a close-up of this one. Look at that. Look at that. Now, where I'm going with this, eventually I'm going to get to the scripture part of it. And we're going to see that these creatures, I believe, are or are possibly a mix of two different species together in the same body. So there he ducks back. Again, it just, there he is again. There's his eyes. It's his nose. It's sort of flattened. Um, yeah, there's another glimpse of his face, his eyes, his nose, his brow. Notice that his brow is extended out like a gorilla, like a primate. Um, I think he's going to take another bow here in a moment. Curtain call. Stick his head out one more time. Hello. Hello, everybody. My, my Sasquatch uh, senses are detecting a camera around. I wonder where it might be. And he doesn't. He's looking for it. All right, and that's that's going to be the end of that clip. Now, um, let me get rid of that, and let me bring up this. Um, swap. There we go. Um, since the nineteen. 50s and 1960s, um, this is not the only time in history where these creatures have been seen. This is ancient uh, Native American artwork. Uh, you have humans, clearly, you have humans. And then right here, you have basically an artist rendering, which is, uh, uh, you could say that it's a, a, uh, an ancient form of photography. They're trying to draw what it is that they see to memorialize what it is that they have seen. And when investigators, after... Um, Oh, after the Bluff Creek incident where uh, Bob Gimlin and um, Roger Patterson uh, filmed uh, Patty, that great big seven foot, six inch tall female Bigfoot. We're going to see her in a little bit uh, when they filmed her and, and that became known and people started writing books on Bigfoot. Well, they started asking uh, Native Americans or First Nations people up in Canada, uh, if they had ever had stories of these creatures. And they, every one of them said, oh yeah, oh yeah, our ancestors, we were told these stories 
uh, we were told that they were the forest people or they were the uh, whatever people, that they weren't like us um, and that uh, they had ways of communicating with them. They, uh, they treated them very respectfully. They gave them gifts and so on and so on. And oftentimes the um, the, the word Sasquatch is a Native American word. I don't know what tribal language it comes from, but that's that's where the word comes from. Um, and I don't know what it, I would assume it means big hairy or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they started telling these stories um, about uh, these large, hairy creatures that had a human face to them in many cases. Um, they had a huge feet. They left large footprints everywhere. And it was those footprints that first got people to notice what they were. Um, I'm going to show you a guy here in a little bit by the name of Jeff Meldrum. He is the... Um, uh, he is the head of the anthropology department at the University of Idaho. And Meldrum has collected, I don't know, hundreds of uh, plaster casts of footprints. And Meldrum can tell you the difference between a fake and a real one. And it's because of his knowledge of primate um, skeletal structure. He knows what their feet would look like and how they would appear if they were to step into some soft uh, dirt or whatever. He knows what to look for. And when he pours out the cast and he picks it up and he examines it and he sees what he is looking for, he says, this is a 100% genuine Sasquatch footprint. Or he says, no, this is a fake. And I can tell how? It has something to do with the way uh, primates' feet are made versus how our feet are made or versus how someone would carve out a big giant footprint out of wood, stamp it on the ground like every, you know, four feet or something like that. He could look at it and say, that's a fake. That's a fake. Now that one over there, that one's real. And that's actually what led to uh, Roger Patterson, Bob Gimlin, to look where they were looking for a Bigfoot because uh, there were people working in that area. I don't remember if they were loggers or what, but they noticed one morning they got up and they went to their job site where their equipment was and they found these humongous, and I mean big, footprints all over the place. It had just rained so they were walking around through this wet dirt and putting deep, deep footprints down in this mud. And they took pictures of it and they're like, we don't know what this is. They had no idea. And so all of a sudden, that's where the term Bigfoot come from. But you can clearly see that these were, um, these were memorialized by Native American groups. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to move. Well, I'm just not satisfied with this. Hang on a second. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Now, there we go. Um, and the articles. 
coming out. Look at this. Prehistoric giant ape. Skeleton found in India. Now that is, I'm going to show you something connected to that. Measures 31 feet 6 inches. That would be how tall the skeleton is. Sensational discovery of a skeleton believed to be a prehistoric giant ape measuring 31 feet 6 inches. So now wait a minute. People are saying, oh, I don't believe in that Bigfoot. That, that, that's just make-believe people dress up in monkey suits and all of a sudden everybody's going crazy talking about Sasquatches and Bigfoots and there's not, there is no evidence whatsoever. Well, yeah, there is. There's a giant 31-foot tall skeleton. Not a picture, a skeleton discovered in Calcutta, India. Uh, I don't know what year this article comes from. But that's science. And it's not hard for scientists to say, oh yeah, we, we have evidence of uh, a gigantopithecus is is a word that they used there there it there was a species of primates that they said you know lived you know one one million years ago and he was called gigantopithecus and so meldrum seems to lean in that direction that it is it may not be a gigantopithecus but it may be something related to gigantopithecus and so he's, he's trying to stick with the science part of it. And, and I like it. I like the fact that there is um, scientists. There was a, a man before him, uh, John Bendernagel. Um, he was, I think, a Canadian anthropologist that took the issue seriously. He had plaster casts. He did investigations um, you know, looking for other types of evidence like hair or scat um, or just anything like that that would provide extra evidence to go along with the footprints. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's, uh, da, 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 where, is, where else? Where else? India, Calcutta, a skeleton believed to be that of a human giant measuring 31 feet 6 inches has been discovered uh, on the banks of the river Jablapur, uh, the huge man's bones alone measured, uh, let's see, the, the huge man's bones alone measured 10 feet. Uh, three men were required to move the remains uh, to the chief's palace at Ramgarh. That's, that's another version of this. Okay, fr uh, Friday, August 10th, 1934, that's when it comes out. Here's another article. Prehistoric giant ape skeleton found in India. Or that, is that the same? That's the same one. So you have, you have a, a record, a historical record that a giant something, 31 feet tall, we can kind of shave off the six inches. Because, you know, once you get to like 20 feet... And he's standing in front of you. You don't ask him. Now, are you six inches taller than 20 feet? You don't care. Okay. So anyway, yes, evidence. And get this. 
This is Hanuman. This is, and I was, I asked before the program, chat GPT, this question. Is there any evidence that ancient Native Americans made sacrifices in honor of Sasquatch? The bottom line that AI told me was, nah, no evidence whatsoever. I'm going to re-ask the question. Did um, Hindu... Believers offer sacrifices. Let me, in fact, let me put this on the screen for you so you can see what I'm doing here. Did Hindu believers offer sacrifices to the monkey god Hanuman? The Hindu deity Hanuman, the monkey god, is indeed revered by many Hindus, particularly in the context of the Ramayana epic. However, there is no tradition or evidence to suggest that sacrifices were offered to Hanuman in the same way that sacrifices were made to certain gods in ancient Vedic rituals. Hanuman is primarily worshipped through prayers, offerings of fruits, flowers, sweets, and other symbolic gestures of devotion, Devotees may also engage in rituals such as chanting Hanuman Chalisa, a hymn of, in, in praise of Hanuman, and observing fasting on specific days associated with him, such as Tuesdays and Saturdays. While Hanuman is a significant figure in Hindu mythology and holds a special place in the hearts of many believers, the idea of offering sacrifices to him is not a part of mainstream Hindu practice. Sacrificial ritual, sacrificial rituals, as mentioned in ancient Vedic texts, were primarily offered to deities like Agni, the god of fire, and Indra, the god, the king of gods, among others. So, what we have is a large monkey god, but it's not quite. A monkey. It is a bipedal, which means it walks on two feet, not four. It's a bipedal, half human, half primate or ape of some kind. And it sort of is a, like a, almost like a savior God. It's a hero from what little bit I know about it. Um, while ChatGPT wouldn't say that they people offered sacrifices to it, I believe it's possible that they did. We know for a fact that they offered gifts to it. And they revered it as a special god that, like I said, was sort of like a 
like a savior god. Known as Lord Hanuman, he is the son of the wind god Vayu and a woman of earth named Anjani. Are you listening to this? You have a god, God, who mates with a human earth woman to create this hybrid character, this hybrid half-god that is basically a human monkey or a human ape of some kind. Now, folks, that's just, that's just way too close to what we know from Genesis 6 to, uh, to discredit it or discount it. Because people have asked me, Pastor Mike, you, you, know, you, you say you believe in Bigfoot. Do you believe that they could be the giants? Let me say this. Please, please let me say it. I believe it's possible. I believe that it's possible that whatever evil angel mated with a human woman or multiple human women and that it is possible that these could be reckoned under the term giants because that's what they were. They were huge. And I'm going to show you a little bit of that um, as we go along. Hanuman here is showing that he has Rama in his heart. That's funny. That's funny. I have Jesus in my heart. He is, has Rama. Rama, Rama, Krishna, Rama, Rama. Okay, to do, run, 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 to do, run, run. He has Rama in his heart. He is an, an inferior God, not superior, but he's a God nonetheless who is ruled over by a higher, a higher deity. In Japan, they had the same thing. They had the monkey god, Saruta Biko. Uh, I haven't had much time to look into that one. But I, I, I believe that we're looking at pictures, 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 photographs. The, the way that they, the only way that they could have done it Back 150, before 150 years ago, the only way that they could have done it was uh, to carve it out, to draw it out, or whatever, and have a visual representation of their God for everyone to see. Now, um, let me see here. I've got several videos to show you. Um, one of them was, um, 
Ah, this one. Uh, this video here is uh, was taken. I don't. I can't. I don't know who it was taken by. But they took photographs of a Sasquatch-looking creature uh, in the woods. Uh, and he's picking something off of a tree fell over and he's and he is doing something with the root wad of that tree and the people who were responsible for these pictures let me go ahead and put this up here on the screen for you I'm gonna silence the music so I don't get in trouble um, We got scripture coming soon. I'm going to take my hat off. I can't prophesy with my head covered. I don't read scripture with a hat on my head. Um, let me see here. Let me scoot ahead here. All right. There is the, the figure, the back of it. Here's the hand and there's the root wad. Here's the, here's the picture now. And here is the root wad from this tree. And you have this creature with his left arm doing something there with the roots. Um, apparently, he has an injury to his left arm, so he changed positions and he changed hands here. Notice you have a beard. Um, and a face. Um... He's going to pull back a little bit. The picture's going to be smeared. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the height of this particular bipedal, hairy creature in the woods. In Jim's words, a Sas I, I won't read that. I'm going to skip past that. Um, so they did like a color boost of it. There's the face. Yellowish top with silver red and brown uh, with snowy gray hair. That is not unusual. That is typical for a lot of Bigfoot sightings. They don't all have black hair. They have red hair, uh, different orangish hair. Uh, you have white-haired yetis uh, up in the Himalayas uh, and so on. Now, that is a reproduction. Uh, they had pictures of the face, and they had video. And they gave the video to someone they thought was with uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. You know, the, the Rockies. Um, Dudley Do-Right. So they gave the video to Dudley Do-Right. Dudley Do-Right said, uh, we're going to examine this and we'll get it back to you. And that's the last they've seen of the video. So that is like a, a that's not real there. They made clear to point that out, that that's just a reproduction of what they saw the face look like. Okay. Uh, the following two images were scaled by a Toronto image analysis company from the four megabyte pictures and are mathematically correct to within a few inches. Like I said, if you got a 20-foot guy or a 10-foot guy standing in front of you, you don't ask him, aren't you like 10'6 instead of just 10 feet? You don't do that. Uh, 
Now notice, here's, uh, here's the guy that took the original pictures. Notice where he's standing. And uh, this, is, this is the actual creature, and they're going to put them together. Look at that. Look at that. Let's say this guy is six foot tall. He just barely comes up to his, the bottom of his chest. Barely. If you saw this, I wouldn't hang around. As much as I'd like to see one. If I saw that, I'm not sure I would hang around. There's too much we don't know. Uh, well, there is some things we know. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off of that. I want to go back to this. These are various pictures uh, of creatures from around the country. These are... Uh, this one here is a skunk ape from Florida. Uh, the legs, the arms, everything has been measured um, and measured against maybe a bear, what a bear, how a bear would appear, or a dog maybe, or a human, or anything like that. And and the measurements don't don't match anything. Uh, other than just this primate. That's it. Here's another picture. Uh, this one goes back a few years, but it's a, it's a skunk ape. That's what they're called down in Florida for obvious reasons. You'll smell them long before you might ever see one because everybody that's ever reported seeing a Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yeti, Yowie, whatever say the smell was absolutely horrible. You know how some smells like get in your nose and for like four or five days after that, that smell is, those molecules are still stuck to the inside of your nose. And every time you take a breath, you're going, ah, ah, ah. well, that's, that's what these things do. There's like a sulfur, rotting carcass, nasty, evil it's what I preached um, a week ago last Sunday about us being a sweet-smelling savor before God, and I and I said, you know, when you put when you put beef on the grill, a beef steak or pork steaks or whatever, it smells amazing. And you know, if I'm like driving through somebody's subdivision and I smell somebody cook grilling steaks on the grill. I almost want to stop and invite myself in. Hi, you got steaks, don't you? Mind if I sit? Okay. I mean, they smell good. And then I, I mentioned Bear Grills from uh, Discovery Channel. How he, he caught and skinned and rotisseried a skunk. Now he was careful to try to get the scent bag out of its rear end, 
so as not to ruin the meat. But what he found out is the meat is born ruined because he said it stank, it tasted awful. Okay, and so stuff like that's not a sweet-smelling savor before God or man either. So you can imagine now, and here's, here's, my, here's my analogy here. Things that are good and things that God accept, well, they smell good because actually the, the Levite priests are going to get a chance to eat it. And if God said, bring in the skunks... And you can, you know, offer them as sacrifices. The Levite would be going, I ain't eating that. What, you, what, you kidding me? There ain't enough barbecue sauce in Egypt to eat one of those things. I ain't eating that. So, these things, they're bad. Because they stink. And I'll show you from the scripture in a minute. Oh! This is my one of my favorite pictures. A an early anthropologist by the name of Carl Linnaeus. He uh, wrote a book uh, on taxonomy, which basically was a book showing what other species of animals were like around the world. You remember, this is like from uh, the mid-1700s. So we didn't know everything that we know now about different species of different animals. Carl Linnaeus, basically, um, he would go talk to sailors because sailors, wherever they had, you know, back then they sailed by sail, and if they got to a place after a few months of sailing where they needed fresh water and they needed food to eat or whatever, they pulled the ship into some, uh, to some bay somewhere, dropped anchor, went on to land and started looking for something to eat. Started uh, looking for fresh water, things like that. And so Linnaeus took the images that were brought to him by these sailors, and he made his own trip around and saw various uh, different types of primates, different types of this, different types of that, and so on. So on the page where he is drawing descriptions of different types of apes and monkeys, this one he calls troglodyta, a troglodyte. Okay, now, uh, let's see, this would be an orangutan. Here, and this is interesting, is a chimpanzee, and he calls it uh, Lucifer. Now, and, and in that case, it meant that he believed that these types, chimpanzees, they are pretty smart. Chimpanzees are one of the few animals that actually knows how to use tools to get food, okay? So they're, they're smarter than your average bear, all right? But this one, we don't know what kind of 
monkey he was trying to convey, but he called it Satyrus. Satyrus. Satire. Satire. In other words, this one looked like a part human and a part ape. And he gave it the name Satyrus. The same word that's in our 1611 Bible, satire. Okay? Um, let's see here. Troglodyte, what they believe were early cave dwellers who were humanoid in appearance, but clearly simian. Simian means ape-like. Okay? Remember, remember this. Remember that satirist um, species. Uh, now, this is at the University of Idaho. These two, I think they're students, or were, they, based upon the um, description given to them by Jeff Meldrum, this is who Jeff Meldrum is, head of anthropology, University of Idaho, he, based upon his knowledge of um, the, the, his knowledge of the skeletons of chimpanzees, apes, all kinds of different primates, orangutans, and so on, plus the eyewitness accounts, plus the Patterson-Gimlin film, plus maybe and possibly other pictures and or films that he may have had access to that as he looked at them, he would say, I think that's genuine, uh, especially the feet. Because like I say, this guy's got plaster casts all over his uh, office and his laboratory there at the University of Idaho. And um, there he is holding one there. Five toes. Uh, there's something different in this area here than uh, something different in their feet than from our feet. I can't remember what it was. But it has everything to do with the way that they walk because they don't walk like us. We don't walk like them. So the idea of the Patterson-Gimlin film being a guy in a monkey suit is absolutely preposterous, okay? But look how big that thing is. That, I mean, that is eight feet tall. I can't remember how long. I, I think it was like months. They spent months 3D printing this skeleton and taking the pieces and sanding them down and putting them all together. Uh, and Meldrum has it now in his, in his lab. He shows it to his students and so on. The, the idea that this guy hasn't been fired or laughed completely out of the uni whole university thing um, is amazing to me. It's sort of like when John Mack decided to get into studying uh, people who have been abducted by UFOs. 
They, they got together and they said, how can we fire him? We can't have him talking about aliens and UFOs. That's just, that's ridiculous. We can't have that. And then they finally said, he's a tenured professor. We can't get rid of him. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got some people that believe him. I think Meldrum, I think Meldrum is a Mormon. I think he is. Not 100% positive, but I think he is. And so maybe his bosses there and other faculty being Idaho. Idaho is very close to Salt Lake City, Utah. And in Idaho, it, there is a large percentage of Mormons in Idaho. I've been there. And so maybe that's what's keeping him in a job. I don't know. But I think it's interesting and I think it's a good idea. Number one, to have someone that's skeptical at the start. Someone that is going to use the scientific method. Because scientific method never hurt anything that's true. If it's true, it can be proven. Now, as Christians, we use faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But certainly, the faith that we have... I believe, if viewed in the right way, can be proven using the scientific, scientific method. Okay? In other words, I, I'm not afraid of science. I'm not afraid of, of the scientific method. I'm not afraid of facts. I'm not afraid of any of that. I think the Bible has an answer to everything. And, and it kind of bugs me a little bit when Christians who are uh, I guess trying to uh, win this argument about, um, you know, whether the Bible is true and how come it doesn't match up with what we know about science and so on. They say, well, you have to understand the Bible wasn't written as a science textbook. Uh, teacher, teacher, I disagree with that. I think it's the science textbook. I I found DNA in there, and I found out how DNA is put together, and I found out what it's made of, and I found out how it's uh, how it's opened up. I found out how it's read, and I found out how it's it's uh, expressed, how genes are expressed, and, and all of that's in the Bible. So why not everything else? Amen. So anyway, now this is Patty. Patty is not, it's, she's not somebody that I would want to go out with, okay? And, uh, yeah, there was a girl in my high school that <clears throat> kind of looked like Patty. And anyway, um, this is the face. This is about as a good a rendering as anybody can get. Roger Patterson had rented this camera. It was 8 millimeter. So you're talking about something about this big rectangle. Okay? Something about, I don't know, about like that. Not very big, and there's not a lot of, not a lot of material on film that small. And when 
Patterson first noticed it. He noticed that the horses were braying and jumping up. And he looked and he saw this thing. It had been drinking out of this creek. So he gets, he grabs his camera, gets off the horse, and he's chasing after this thing, or he's trying to get himself in a position. He's got the camera rolling, and he's trying to get in a position to where he can film this thing. And finally, he comes to a spot where he's in, he's in a resting position. He's got the camera running, and all of a sudden, that's when Patty does that famous glance back, like what you see right here. Then she sees that there's some, somebody there, so she keeps walking. And Patterson then moves himself around to put himself in a straight line of where she's walking to and is filming her from behind. There's a lot of things that have been noticed from that film. Let me um, let's see here what's next. Let me show you a... A stabilized version of the Roger Patterson, Bob Gimblin film. The work was done by M.K. Davis. Now that's all stabilized there. And colorized. It's, they fixed the color to it. Now, as you're watching this, remember, this is 1967. This would be a year after I was born. I remember it well. Ask yourself the question, does this right here, does this look like a monkey suit or a gorilla suit. Right here, does this look like a gorilla suit? The people who make gorilla suits for Hollyweird, they can't reproduce you see this right here? They can't reproduce that to any great, uh, any, any kind of accuracy. Because we know, just like on humans, the muscles come around the back and they connect at the spine. And our skin conforms to that wraparound so that our skin goes in to where our spine is. You can, you can always see the spine on somebody um, if, on a guy if he's not wearing a shirt or even a guy if he is wearing a shirt, a, a lady if she's wearing a shirt of some kind, you can see the skin going into where this, this, the spine is. They don't make gorilla suits or monkey suits that do that. Nobody has yet. 
So that's one, that's just one, one thing, all right? There's where Patty entered. Oh, here she is right here. They, they superimposed her walking into the woods in this area. Let's see if I can skip ahead here. Oh, yeah, look at this. They're going to show you her walk. And I want you to notice her feet. Her feet come up and are completely perpendicular to the ground. In other words, they come up at a 90-degree angle to the ground. We don't walk that way. We don't walk that way. And if this was a person in a suit, they would have never thought to walk in that fashion. It just wouldn't have... Because it's not natural. Now, here's some of the best stabilized footage that I've ever seen right here. Okay? That's basically the area that, that Patty's walking in. There's the gaze. That's when she looks back. And you can notice here that she is a female. Okay? She is a female. This is a female Sasquatch. There no one no one's ever no one's ever made that suit either. No one has. I like how she walks, but she's really good at walking backwards. I mean, that just that tells you something right there. I mean, very very smart character. She can walk backwards like that. Um, notice that there's almost no hair here. Well, there's a reason for that. Her arms rub that area, and that's that's why. Um, notice her buttock okay uh, you can see the muscles moving inside uh, underneath the fur underneath the hair you can see the musk the muscles doing their various thing right underneath the skin again they don't make monkey suits that do that Notice her hand. It's like it's like it's like she's gonna dig something. That's her natural gait. Okay, that's naturally how she holds her hands and how she walks. This is uh, the heel. Yeah, the heel hits the ground first. Let 
Let me just kind of skip forward through some of this. There she is going into the woods. Patterson is trying to get. Now he's sort of in line with her, shooting her from the back as she is going to walk into cover. Uh, her natural is just like just like any other animals, like deer or anything like that. Uh, now there's some of the tracks that she left there, and they got um, plaster casts of them. And right here is what I was talking about. Jeff Meldrum uh, noticed that in this area here, like where your arch would be, it's, it's made differently uh, in primates than it is in humans. It's not, this is not a large human footprint, nor is it a, a wooden block with toes cut out of it, with a flat bottom. It's, that's, that's not what this is. It is a real footprint a very large footprint, and um, so they're taking plaster casts of it and so on. Uh, there she is in all her beauty. Uh, by the way, they, uh, they spent some money, and um, they spent some money, and they went and they surveyed with a computer this entire area so that they could get an idea of approximately how tall she was in this footage. And the estimate, the best estimate that they came up with was seven feet six inches tall in, in this footage. She is over seven feet tall, seven feet six inches. Okay. Uh, not, not, not somebody in a, a gorilla suit. It's just, it's, that's not it. All right. Now that's Patty. Uh, here's some pictures from Todd standing. Um, he has gotten what he says are close-ups of some different types of Bigfoot creatures this one he calls the black devil. Now that's pretty interesting. Because the Bible calls them the same thing. I'll show you in a minute. Um, here's the nose. Here's the eyes. Um, here's another one that he calls Jake. Um, I think on this one, he's actually got a close-up of it blinking. Um, there's some other pictures, but I think I have a, a video of them. But I want to get into the scriptures before we run out of time. Now, why am I doing this? Why, why am I even looking into this? Because everything that I do, everything that I want to accomplish, I want to achieve, is I want people to believe and to know that they can believe every word in their Bible. They can believe it and not doubt it one bit. It's sort of like 
the fiery flying serpents. I have pictures. Literally photographs of these light beings that have been captured by modern cameras of light beings that look identical to serpents. And they're flying. One of them, if you remember, was Dr. Stephen Greer's group doing a a CE5 event, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, where they're trying to call down UFOs. Well, listen, people. When you start calling on familiar spirits, you're going to get the whirlwind. You are. You're, you're going to get more than what you bargained for. And at one event, I believe it was one in Japan, um, they did a CE5 event. And somebody's just taking random pictures, and they get a, a, a picture of this fiery serpent flying into this person and touching their pineal gland and giving them kundalini, a kundalini experience, a shakti pot where they fall backwards and they are now full of a spirit and they have illumination and their third eye is open and now they have, a, now they have abilities that they never had before. And I'll tell you, that's a common, here, here I'm talking about UFOs again, but that's a very common happening with those who have experience with UFOs is that all of a sudden now they have abilities that they never had before. And I'm talking about psychic abilities which are nothing more than devils doing things and making people think that they're doing it. It's what it is. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. So, fiery flying serpents, absolutely 100% true and provable. Um, uh, um, unicorns. true and provable. Not only do you have them, I believe, in the spirit realm, but at one time on earth, you had them in the physical realm. You have uh, Elasmotherium Sibiricum, the Siberian unicorn that was a huge monster. And one look at that and that horn, big, huge, massive horn coming out of the top of his head. And like, you're going, okay, I'm getting out of the way. I just don't feel like taking this on today. I'm moving out. Those things were real. We have the the skeletal remains of them. So the Bible, 100% provable. Well, then it throws in this thing about dragons and satyrs. And, and, you know, everybody knows that a satyr is like, you know, human here and and beast, you know, down there. Maybe not. In fact, that book that Carl Linnaeus wrote on anthropology, and he's drawing what different monkeys and apes look like and he draws one and calls it satyr 
or satirists. And he's like, yeah, that's what they are. The fact that these creatures walk like humans, have legs and feet like humans, and many have facial features like humans. It wouldn't surprise me if in the Bible's reference of the word giant that it also included different species of giant. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. But here you have it right there in front of you. Isaiah 34, And the thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles, and the fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons and a court for owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. And the sat here. Now, the Hebrew word there, we'll look it up in a minute. Sair, and we'll find out what it means, and we'll find out where else it's in the Bible. And the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. Now, we believe in owls. We believe in wild beasts. There's owls again. Dragons, it could, be, it could be as simple as large lizards or uh, the type of uh, dragons that you find uh, in the Pacific Islands, the Komodo dragon. And by the way, Komodo dragons, they have poison in their mouth. That's how they, that's how they get their, their food. They find a goat, all they have to do is bite it. They don't have to hold on to it and rip it apart right then and there. If it gets away, so what? They'll stick their tongue out and find it. Then they'll rip it apart. Probably dead already. But they have poison in their mouth. That's how they, that's how they get their victims. Okay? But the satyr shall cry to his fellow. Now, I gotta play this video. Um, oh, yeah. Now, this one, I had to edit. Because um, the guy's making some uh, comments. But I want you to listen now to this guy pulls into a truck stop on this highway in Oregon. And just off from where he is, it's all forested. And this is what he hears. Well, where's the sound? Oh, turn it up. There we go. Mm -hmm. 
starting to regret that I stopped at this rest stop. <laughs> this rest <laughs> That did it for me. I'm done. That also is very common for people to hear um, yells like that. That's why in Australia they're called yowies. For that reason. And your Bible, your King James Bible, said that the satyrs are going to cry to their fellow. That means, I'm a Bigfoot! I, I want to know if there's other Bigfoot around! That was my uh, <clears throat> impersonation of a Sasquatch. But that's what they're doing. We actually, you know, I'm going to say it like this. Those, those who believe the Bible, and I mean believe it, we are the most intelligent, learned people in the world. It's not a boast. I, I don't like boasting about the knowledge puffeth up. But we believe exactly what the Bible says. We believe what the Bible says about the length of the creation time. We believe what the Bible says about how old this universe is. We believe what the Bible says about creatures like this. We believe what the Bible says about devils. They're real. We believe what the Bible says about how they can inhabit, inhabit people. That's real. We, I mean, we just, we, we believe what the Bible says about the universe, the cosmos, the stars. We believe all of those things. I, I, I make a joke sometimes when I go places. I say, I love God's people because we're the only ones in the world who actually do believe in giants, dragons, and unicorns. And some people laugh and some people don't. They're going, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in that. And they, boy, you can see them fist up like this. I do. I do, and that and that that makes us intelligent. We're not dumb. We're not we're not idiots. We're not foolish people. We believe what God said, and God has uh, infused wisdom into our being. Knowledge first. Knowledge gives understanding. Knowledge and understanding brings wisdom. 
So we learn the things from the Bible, we believe the things from the Bible, and then we see how God uses them in our lives. And the whole purpose for me doing this is just to show you that what is being said about these creatures, the Bible's already said it, okay? Isaiah 13 in Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the county's excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall be there, and satyrs shall dance there. Now, I don't know exactly what that one means, but I believe it. And I believe we're talking about the same thing. Now, here is Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible breaks down this particular word in Hebrew. It is sawir. Sawir. Okay? Um, and it and all it means. All it means is hairy. Lots of has hair on it. Can you think of a person? Yep. Seesaw. Uh, I mean Esau. Harry. Why? God wanted you to see. God had already told uh, uh, Rachel that. Two people were in her womb, two manner of people, two different nations. And when he uses the word nations, he's, I believe he's showing you that there is a difference um, between their, their genetics. See, in the Bible, the word nation meant a, a type of a genetically identifiable people. It's like all of the all of the Italians. They have common genes among them. All of the uh, Chinese. They have common genes. Korean Koreans. If you've ever looked at Koreans and looked at Chinese, they are different. There's a difference in them. A difference in the way that their head is shaped, and so on and so on. Japanese are different from Chinese and Koreans. And so on. And then you have the Vietnamese. They're completely different. It, it, you can't say, oh, they all look alike to me. Ha, ha, ha. They don't. They all are identified as a nation by their genetics. We use nation as, well, if they live on this side of the border, they're Americans. They live on that side of the border, they're Canadians. And we don't want the Canadians down in our country. Okay. Um, but anyway, Canadian people could just as well be Americans because we can't tell the difference. So a, a nation of people has to do with genetics. And so sure enough, when, when Jacob and Esau are born, you can clearly see a huge difference, the one from the other. Jacob comes out clean and, and white and so on, and, and Esau comes out, and he's covered in hair. Now, I don't believe he was a satyr. I believe he's a human, but he's a type. 
of beast. That's who he is. He is a type of beast. And God is showing you the beast people are going to reject God's promise and God's covenant while the Jacob people are going to follow God's covenant and be chosen by God. Okay? That's what I think that means. So, uh, anyway, you have the word sire. It means hairy. It is translated numerous times as a he-goat or a buck-goat. Uh, a sacrifice. In fact, I'm not positive, but most of the time that a sire is mentioned in the Bible as a goat, it's a sacrificial goat. It's a goat that is made to be killed, made to be. And that's what uh, Peter said about the false teachers, made to be taken and destroyed. Okay, that's what that's who they are, and that's what they're for. Um, but then on the bottom, and I kind of cut it off a little bit, satire, uh, this is the outline of biblical usage, satire may refer to a demon-possessed goat like the swine of Gadara. And here's where that definition comes from. Leviticus 17.7, and they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils. Now, that's why I was asking ChatGPT if the Native Americans or First Nations ever sacrificed uh, anything to these Sasquatches. Uh, And really what I got was a smack on the hand from ChatGPT saying uh, there really is no evidence that Sasquatches even existed. So don't ask me that question. Okay. Uh, But then when I asked about did the Indians sacrifice or whatever to Hanuman, the monkey god, chat GPT says, well, yeah, they they gave gifts to them. They they maybe didn't sacrifice, but they gave gifts to them. I believe that it's quite possible that you have varying cults in India that don't just offer uh, little gifts of bread and bananas and so on and candies and fruit and whatever to Hanuman the monkey god. I think you got very, very evil cults in India that offer human sacrifices to Hanuman, Shiva, Brahma, Shakti, you name it. Uh, let me run through the list of 330 million gods. You have, no, I won't do that. But that's where I was, that's what I was trying to find out was if there was any other group in the world that offered sacrifices or gave gifts to these satyrs after whom they have gone a whoring. Okay? Um, by the way, Again, this is not, I better, I got to show you this and I got to go. This is not some brand new thing that just popped up in the 60s 
with Patterson and Gimlin. Every culture, every people around the world throughout history have had uh, encounters with hairy, wild men that lived in the forest or lived in the woods or lived in the wilderness. This is, and they depicted them often in their heraldry. They would put it on their shields. Uh, here you have two wild men. And I want you to notice, they use or they're always holding these branches. And what did we see that one do? He's picking up this whole tree from the end with his hands and slamming it like a baseball bat. I dare you to try that. I dare you to go down the woods, find you some dead tree that is approximately that long, and see if you can pick it up by the ends and swing it over your head. Okay? Uh, here's another one. Here's the wild man. Notice he's got a lock on his leg. He's been captured. There have been stories about that. Here's another one. Look how tall he is compared to this, uh, this armored soldier who's got a sword and he's trying to fight the hairy man of the woods. Here is a human laying here and a human laying here and one laying here. They look dead. Looks like he's the last one. And notice that he's using a large trunk. There's the root wad there. Very common, very common appearance. Um, here's one. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit here. You have, I guess, a, a pope of some kind. This is probably Jesus. Maybe they're crowning Mary here. And then on the side and on the bottom, you have wild men, Bigfoot, Sasquatches. Here, these are female, just like Patty. Just like Patty. There's another one. Notice the... Notice the, uh, the branch and the root wad that he's carrying around. Others have seen this before. Obviously, others have seen this. Uh, this, is like a, this is a gargoyle. By the way, gargoyles are named because they go, hang on. The water comes off the roof, goes down a, a, a thing, and comes out the mouth of the gargoyle, and they make this gurgling sound. That's why they're called gargoyles. Anyway, notice you have the wild man, the hairy wild man. His body's full of hair. He has human facial features and the branch, the stick. Okay, here's another one. There's the stick. Here's the hairy wild man, facial features of a human. His feet are huge. He's very tall. Here's another one. This guy, this guy's big. And notice again, he has pulled this tree up from the roots. Because the root wad's still on there. That's it. That's all I got for you. Um... 
Let's see here. Let me get this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and we'll play some happy music for you. I get, there's more. There is more. Always got more. But that'll give you a good start. If, you, uh, if you've seen a Bigfoot... Um, send me, send me your account of what you saw and send it to pastormikeonline at gmail.com. What you see right across the bottom, right here, pastormikeonline at gmail.com. Send me your story. I'd like to read it and, um, maybe we'll post it on our website. All right. Uh, appreciate your love for our ministry. I don't take it for granted. Uh, What a blessing you are, not just to me and not just to our church, but I can tell you, the people out in Kenya, they are so thankful that God is using you to help us with the work that's being done out there, not not just the teaching, not just the uh, the sermons and so on, the feeding and the gospel that they're getting, and uh, it's what a time for it to be, because I, I mentioned this a couple Sundays ago, uh, my. My friend now, I love this man, Bishop Leberlea. They were associated with the Church of England in London under the Archbishop of Canterbury, under first Queen Elizabeth, now King Charles, who is dying of cancer apparently. But they have separated themselves away from that. They are part of a coalition of Anglican churches in Kenya that have pushed away from the Church of England and said, we don't support gay marriage, we don't support transgendered, we don't support homosexuals behind the pulpit, we don't, we don't accept them as being Christians. They, they must confess and repent just like everybody else has to. And so they separated themselves because of that. And I went, Woo! I did. We were eating lunch, and I'm going, Amen! Bless my heart. So, God bless you all. I love you. You're the reason why we do what we do. Don't forget, everything I said today has one purpose. 